names are important to people today. And uh, you can go online or you can buy a book and you can name pretty much anything from your boat to your pet to your baby, right? How many, just quick show of hands, how many of you ever got a baby book for your baby? Any of you guys? Look at all of you, look at that. And of course, these are bestsellers. You can find a ton of different baby books out there. Um, this particular book has a section uh, that is uh, going to help you uh, give a name to your baby that is based on the image that you want your child to project. And so there are all these different categories. And this was really fascinating. I was looking through this and there's a category for explorer. Uh, there's an, a category for names of risk takers, uh, names for, that mean uh, beautiful, names that mean wise. What really surprised me as I was looking at it, there's actually a category for dorks and clowns. I'm not making this up. They are really in here. I have no, I don't even know what to say about that. I, I, I don't even know why a parent would want to give their name, uh, their, their child a dork name or a clown name. But if you really wanted to do it, there you go. It's in this book. It could help. But books like this are popular because names are important. Names are important to God too. And uh, back in the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, you can read about a guy by the name of Abram. And one day God came to Abram. He said, Abraham, your name's not going to work because your name means father of one tribe. So I'm going to call you Abraham because the name Abraham means father of a multitude of nations. And sure enough, centuries later, that promise was fulfilled when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the city of David, a direct descendant of Abraham. And through Jesus, multitudes of nations have been blessed around the world to this day. Now, I don't know for many of you sitting here, even those of you watching online, I don't know uh, if you've been able to be with us these last couple of weeks, but we have been working through a series of different names given by the prophet Isaiah to the coming Messiah. It's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where we found these four names. It was actually in that video clip just a moment ago. But let me reread this passage for you. It says, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, for you. It says he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so we worked through those four names over these last four weeks in this season that we call Advent. Tonight on this Eve, this Christmas Eve day, what I would like to do is simply share with you two more names. Okay? And the first name is, is um, given to Joseph by an angel. It's found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And the angel is talking to Joseph about the name that he's going to give to the baby that Mary is carrying. Look at this. The angel says, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus was the name given to the Son of God born in Bethlehem on that first Christmas. And while that is a significant name because it means the Lord saves, it also, and you just need to understand, this was a very common name, very ordinary name. So because that name was so ordinary, I would recommend, I would suggest the, the name Jesus suggests appro approachability. It, it suggests he was, Jesus was a guy that was just an average guy. No one was afraid of walking up to Jesus and talking to him. So the name Jesus suggests approachability. But there's a second name. It's also found in Matthew chapter one, two verses later. 
This name was also predicted by the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before. And in this case, the angel says to Joseph this, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So while the ordinary name Jesus suggests approachability, this name Emmanuel suggests proximity, right? Because Jesus is God with us. And the truth of Christmas is that, yes, you know, because of love, God left the glory and majesty of heaven to come to the dust and dirt of a stinky stable 2,000 years ago. But the miracle of Christmas is that Jesus is still your Emmanuel today. Okay? He is still God with you today. He still has approachability and he still has proximity Jesus says in Matthew 28, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is with you, okay, right here, right now. He's with you. He's with you when you go back to work on Monday. And for those of you who are in class or school, when Christmas break is over. He's with you when you eat lunch. He's with you when you're at home with your family. He's with you when you're playing sports or when you're shopping or when you're working out at the gym or hanging out with your friends. He is with you. Unfortunately, if you're like me, you don't live each day in the awareness of that truth. So what I'd like to do on this Christmas Eve is just help you focus or maybe refocus on that truth and a couple of implications that can come into your life because Jesus is still your Emmanuel today. He is still God with you right here, right now. Implication number one, because Jesus is still your Emmanuel today, every time you stumble he sees it, and that's sobering. And it's sobering to know that every time you mess up, morally, ethically, spiritually, Jesus is there because he's God with you, right? He's right here, right now with you. He's wherever you are. He sees it all. He sees every disgusting little detail. He knows every dirty little secret. You can't get away with anything. I don't know about you, but I enjoy reading those humorous stories about how dumb crooks and criminals can be. Every now and then you can find them online. Uh, just for example, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was a shoplifter by the name of, of Jacob Wise. And he found a clever way to remove those, those bulky plastic security tags off the clothes. But as he was going out the door, the alarm went off anyway. Why? Because he put them in his pocket. I mean... <laughs> Come on, really? So how dumb can you be? But, but my point, I, know, I, I laughed. So my point, is, my point is that Jacob Wise thought he was getting away with it. And you know what? We do a lot of bad things, and we think we're getting away with it too. We're kind of like Moses. At one point in time in his life, he killed an Egyptian guard. He did. In Exodus 2, verse 12, it says, glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian. So Moses looked this way and he looked that way, but he forgot to look up, right? He forgot that God was watching it all. And we make the same mistake, don't we? We tell a lie and we think no one's going to know. We run personal errands on company time. We think my boss is never going to find out. We spread a little slander. We think no one's going to trace those words back to me. We engage in a secret little sin, and because nobody else knows about it, we continue to engage in it, right? We think we're getting away with it. We look this way and that way, but we forget that God is with us, even now, right here, right now, and he sees it all. 
Hebrews 4 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So if that's the case, and Jesus is still your Emmanuel today, right here, right now, he's God with you. And every time you stumble, he sees it. What should you do? Well, Jesus would offer you this prescription on this Christmas Eve. He would say, fess up. Just come clean. Admit it. Because the longer you wait, the more strain it puts on that relationship that you have with him. For example, imagine that you are a parent of a teenager and your teenager is invited to a party, but you happen to know that that party is going to be trouble and it's not going to be chaperoned. So you say, no, you cannot go to that party. Now, imagine they go anyway and you find out, but they are not aware that you know. So they come in and you say, where have you been? And they say, well, uh, went to this pizza place with some of my friends. Oh, really? How was it? It was good. Pizza, best pizza I've ever had. Okay, did you do anything else besides the pizza? No, pretty much just the pizza place. Well, you were gone for five hours. How did you handle all of that pizza and all that time? What did you do? Oh, oh, well, it, it was really crowded. Line went back out the door, down the block, super busy. Now, let me, just, let me just pause for a second, and let me ask you a quick show of hands. How many of you, if you were the, pa- the, the parent, and this was your teenager, how many of you would say that that cover-up put a strain on your relationship with your teenager? How many of you would say that? Hey, there's a lot of teenagers who are like, I didn't see anything wrong with that pizza. That was a good pizza. As a parent, you'll get this someday. As a parent, you're probably more upset now than you were at them going to the party in the first place. What do you really want them to do? You want them to fess up, right? Admit it. Just come clean and say, you know, mom, dad, I know you told me not to go to the party, but I went there anyway and I feel awful. I'm ashamed. I did what you told me to do and I shouldn't have. And I'm sorry. Can you please forgive me? Right? That's what you want to hear. And guess what? That's what Jesus, your Emmanuel, wants to hear from you when you stumble. He wants, he sees it. So he just wants you to fess up to it. Proverbs 28 says, he who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. As your Emmanuel, as Jesus, who is right there with you, and he sees where you stumble, he just wants you to fess up and say, Lord, I did this. I know you told me not to, but I did it anyway. And I feel awful about it. I am shamed. I, I, I know it hurt you and I'm sorry. Can you please forgive me? And guess what he's going to do? He's going to look you right in the eye and he's going to say, of course, I love you. Of course, I will forgive you. In John 3, 17, we read this. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Right? So because Jesus is your Emmanuel today, he's God with you right here, right now. Every time you stumble, he sees it. He knows. So what should you do? Fess up so that you can enjoy his love and grace and his forgiveness. Fess up. All right, that's the first implication. Second implication, the fact that on this Christmas Eve, you still have an Emmanuel who's God with you right here, right now, is that every time you struggle, he feels it. And that's encouraging. Now understand, when I say he feels it, I'm not saying that every time you hit your thumb with a hammer, he says, ouch. But what I mean is that because Jesus is your Emmanuel, he's not just God with you, in the sense of proximity, but also 
he became like you when he was born. He took on flesh and blood. Yes, he's, he's true God, but he's also a true human being. And so he knows what it's like to walk on this planet. When I was younger, my family and I, we had a dog, a little beagle terrier mix. We loved her like any pet, right? I mean, she was part of the family. One of the things about my particular dog, though, is that whenever she had to go to the vet, she kind of like knew. I don't know how she knew. She just knew it was time to go to the vet. And she would get, she would, her little legs would start shaking. Her tail would go down between her legs. And she'd give you those real sad puppy dog eyes. You know what I'm talking about? And it was, you felt awful. And my brother and sister and I, we would be talking to our dog, saying, the pet is your friend. The pet is nice. The pet likes you. I mean, the vet likes you. The vet is nice. The, the, the vet is going to help you and take care of you. And, 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 and you don't have to be afraid or worried of the vet. But my dog, of course, was a dog, so he couldn't understand a word that I was saying. Obviously, for me to communicate to my dog, what would I have to become? A dog, thank you very much, a dog. And that way I can not only feel what my dog was feeling and why she was so afraid of the vet, but also I could communicate to her as one dog to another, you know, that the, the vet was her friend, that he cared about her, that he, that he wanted to help her. Well, that's why Jesus became a human being 2,000 years ago. He came to be God with you, to be with you, to live with you, and, get this, to communicate to you in a way that you can understand that God loves you and wants to help you. Right? Jesus wants you to know that forgiveness is yours because of his sacrifice on the cross. He wants you to know that he paid the punishment for everything that you've ever done wrong so that you can enjoy an eternity with him in heaven. And if, you, and if you just trust in that, if you believe that Jesus is your savior, not just the savior, your personal savior, those blessings are yours. When you believe he lived, died, rose again for you, those blessings are yours. And you know what? That's Christmas in a nutshell. It's God who came to this earth, who became a human, flesh and blood human being so that he could communicate his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and the gift of eternal life to you in a way you could understand. Beyond that, though, Jesus became a human being, not just to be with you, but also to understand you. Right? He understands your pain, your fears, your struggles. He gets it. He understands it all. So if you've been rejected, Jesus can relate to that. If you've been betrayed by a friend or a loved one, Jesus can relate to that too. If you're grieving over the loss of a loved one, Jesus can relate to that because the Bible says that when a good friend of his, Lazarus, had died, he wept. When you wrestle with pressure, Jesus can relate to that because in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he's crucified, it says that he wrestled so much that his sweat became like drops of blood that hit the ground. He can relate. He understands. Hebrews 4 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near to the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus can relate. But here's the problem. When we are in need or in pain, what do we tend to do? We tend to cover it up, right? We tend to deny it. No, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. Or we tend to medicate it by maybe working too much or drinking too much or staying too much away from the people who can actually help us. 
So in this particular instance, Jesus, as your Emmanuel, God with you right here, right now, would offer you a second prescription. And it's this, open up. Don't cover it up. I mean, remember, he's right there with you. He understands what you're going through. Tell him about it so that you can find grace to help you in your time of need. Right? He's your Emmanuel. He cares about you. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Open up. Third implication that, um, that you should understand because Jesus on this Christmas Eve is still God with you right here, right now. It's every time you sacrifice for him, he blesses you. And, he, and, and that's motivating. Every time, you fo- every time it costs you something to follow Jesus, even though the rest of the world may not know, he knows. Every time you, you uh, jeopardize your, your reputation or your job, because you're going to take a stand for Jesus, he sees it. Every time you forgo temporary uh, pleasure and, so that you can obey God and resist temptation, he sees it. Every time you swallow your pride and you don't, you forgive your enemy, you don't seek revenge, he sees it. Every time you're willing to stop and help somebody in time of need and it costs you your time, he sees it. Every time you, every time you reflect the love of God through your words, your attitudes, your actions, he sees it and he blesses it. He will honor your faithfulness. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. So on this Christmas Eve, Jesus would offer you a third prescription, and it's this, keep it up. For those of you who live out your faith in your day-to-day life through what you think and say and do, Jesus would say, keep going. In fact, just imagine him looking over your shoulder. Just imagine Jesus, who is right here with you right now, your Emmanuel, imagine him just you know, looking over your shoulder and cheering you on, doing whatever it is you're doing to honor him, cheering you on, saying, yes, that's it. That's the way. Keep on going. Keep it up. Because that is what this Christmas Eve is all about as well. That's what it means to have a redeemer, to, I mean, a, 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 a savior who is your Emmanuel today, who is God with you today, right here, right now. In Galatians 6, verse 9, it says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Keep it up. So those are the three implications I want you to carry with you as you walk out these doors in just a few short minutes. Okay, hang on to those those thoughts, right? Hang on to those thoughts. When you let them be the next steps for this new year or for the rest of your life. Right? Because Jesus is still your Emmanuel today. He is still God with you right here, right now. Every time you stumble, he sees it. So what should you do? Fess up, right? Give it to God. Confess it to him so he can lovingly forgive you. Every time you struggle, he feels it. So what should you do? Open up. Don't close up. Don't hide it. Don't deny it. Tell Jesus about it. He knows about it anyway, and he cares. Third, every time you sacrifice for him, he blesses it. So what should you do? Keep it up, right? Keep going. Even if nobody else sees you, he sees you. Even if nobody else notices, he notices. So he will bless you. He will continue to honor your faithfulness. Keep it up. Keep going. What an amazing God, right? That he would come to this earth and be our Emmanuel, that he would be God with me, God with you right here, right now. Celebrate that truth this Christmas and 
the rest of your life. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Well, Jesus Christ, thank you for not being some disinterested or distant God, but for coming to this earth to be our Emmanuel, to be God with us right here, right now. As we head into this new year, continue to remind us that the name Emmanuel, it's not just another name you have, but it's a continuing truth and reality for us in our life even today. Thank you, Jesus, for that truth. Thank you for being God with us right here, right now. We love you. We pray all this in your holy and great name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.